called in to Box and Brews, you might hear something you can use. Like tips on your cash or tips on the suds. You're going to want to use the smarts of these studs. Because they know the brews. And they know the box. And they know they can't help the stubborn fucks. So listen up, because shit's not funny. And save yourself some beer money. Bucks. And brews. Bucks and brews. And brews. Bucks and brews. Welcome back to Bucks and Brews. Uh, Nick, you and I are both doing the same non-alcoholic thing tonight. Yeah, man. Um, you know, as I said, it's it's not you guys, it's me. Yeah, you're uh, trying to lose some weight. I am, yeah, I say. And that's going good? It's going real well. All like, right. I mean, adding food back and stuff like that is helping. Like, you know, I mean, now I'm on, everybody thinks it's weird, but now I'm on fruits and vegetables, yeah. right? Like, uh, originally I couldn't have that. And so um, I am doing a, a zero sugar but it's still my favorite flavor, like glacial cherry, uh, or I do the uh, the blue, right? Because that's that's what you should be doing when you're doing <laughs> Gatorade. Um, yeah, so I uh, staying away from the carbs. For yep, I say a couple of weeks I get to go carbs yeah. back, and you know I'll come back with a beer for you guys. Don't worry. I, I decided to go tea tonight because I'm I'm wanting to keep all my wits about me. Yeah. Say, so, yeah, this is gonna it's funny because you and I kind of talked and I was like, I, it's I think this is gonna be a great episode for Mike. Yeah, because of how you and I view things differently. Oh, yeah, totally. And then you know, well, we'll get into that. Um before we get into that, uh say Mr. Mike, the eye candy, uh, thanks so much for joining us. What are you drinking, buddy? Well, I mean, I will be the first to admit I'm drinking probably the second greatest beverage that gets drank on this show second only to city of lansing tap water when the professor joins us the yeah. city of portage tap water uh, man also in solidarity i've similarly been not quite to the extent that you have but i've been doing some intermittent fasting things yeah. so i'm trying to get a little healthier so i've i'm already down a little over eight pounds from the two weeks i've been on it congrats my friends that's that's oh. huge i'm gonna say this yeah, we're joined again by the great Scott Bennett, and I'm hoping he's gonna he's gonna save us. us. We need an American bailout, right? right? My that's a good song. Oh yeah, my man. <laughs> Cheers, my friend. What are you drinking, I, my friend? From work because I was like, it's bucks and brews. I gotta have a beer, so yeah. I yeah. knew I, I. So I stopped and I got some, and I'm the only one. I can't. Believe You're that. the only one this week, my there friend. There was always a possibility I would have, but. Literally over the weekend, I donated. I wait, no, let me let me use the right word. I sponsored Bucks and Brews everything that was in my fridge. Yeah, he did. <laughs> now it's sitting in my fridge. Don't worry, it'll it'll get drank. Just give me give me a little bit more time. Yeah, and the, uh, the sours will need to be for you, and the non-sours will need to be for yeah your 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 buddy next to you. <clears throat> so this week, yeah, we're gonna take on one of my favorite subjects Reaganomics. why is it all reagan's fucking fault <laughs> and i thought scott was great to hop on for this episode because yeah. he talks about reagan quite a bit on on tiktok and yep. how it's reagan's fault and him and i have similar views and i know nick you do probably not have the same views <laughs> that i do here sure um you wanted before we get on reagan yeah. you wanted to touch on new york versus trump yeah so right i mean um so they Donald Trump is now getting in trouble currently for overvaluing 
his property well his net worth right yep. and in his net worth he's overvalued his penthouse suite in new york mm-hmm. uh by 200 million dollars and uh his mar-a-lago fucking resort i don't even know what you'd call this thing um by 600 million dollars right and so i i of know, course I, that also loses money yeah. yeah but that every golf course is supposed to lose money i mean but he also undervalued it on his taxes his taxes right um <laughs> you know so but to me you know it, it's it, you know the the business isn't paying right for for what it is so um you know it what i what i think is weird is that this bank you know it says it says hey he went into banks and and got them to lend money off of you know 800 million dollars worth of extra and and i don't know anything else above that that he overvalued but they said upwards of 2.2 billion dollars yep. of excess net worth he lied about so i i couldn't the only two i know examples of is his penthouse and marlago right mm-hmm. um and to <clears throat> me i'm just sitting here laughing as a real estate investor because you know if i if i go into a bank and tell them that uh my my house in wyoming you know one of them is worth a million dollars right if it's a local person they're gonna fucking laugh at me right? there's nothing in wyoming uh yeah really I yeah, mean, like no. any part of it you know you might get to 850 or whatever like you know but it, it's just not gonna happen right, right? um and so you know hey if if the bank made the loan that's on them for not doing their due diligence to underwrite this deal right so it sounded like he just made such a good relationship and they just gave him money well i mean um, that that's kind of his mo right he you know people well, just throw money at him because he's trump and he makes money even though he's yeah. bankrupted six times six yeah i i knew a four is it six. six though but like right and that's what i tell i tell people this all the time i'm like look when you when you have a name like Trump and who's created this, you can you could bankrupt. So his thing is is he never like he never is broke because he just borrows other people's money and then if he loses their money, he doesn't feel like you know, he doesn't care. He's out nothing. But if he makes the money, then he looks great, right? Well, he also doesn't pay his contractors either, which well, helps. Right. Well, and so you know, and then he goes and fights him and it costs them more money to fight than it is. But the idea is, is so he, he just, now he turns around and he's like, Hey, no, no, that guy screwed up the deal. He didn't keep up his end of the bargain. He can spill. And he's a salesman, right? He's going to, he's going to go be like, no, no, David screwed it up. That's why the, the $400 million deal didn't work out. It's, it's not that I, I mean, gosh, I brought the deal and like, it, the numbers worked for me here. Look at these numbers. Tell me these numbers shouldn't work. You know what? You should give me 200 million bucks and we'll go do this different deal over here. Great. And it'll work for a little bit. And then, you know, when inflation goes up and they call a note, shit, now you're fucking broke. Like this is what happened in the, in the 2008, 10 type thing, right? Like banks called notes, interest rates. Well, interest rates were low back then, but they were. You know, back back in the day, interest rates got so high. Yeah, but those teaser rates were expiring, and they yep. weren't going to be one percent anymore. Yep. The the adjustable rate was going to go up, and yep. people didn't have that kind of money to pay. Yeah. So they defaulted. Well, and 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 you look at you know, uh, and the problem is, is this is what America does. This is what I fight for so much. I mean, we have real estate episodes quite a bit. Is don't don't go and get what the bank tells you you can get because you're going to be maxed out and your raises aren't going to equate because you, you know, just as much as I do that first year, your taxes are going to go up. 
you know, sure, the first year you'll pay, your taxes go up, and then now you're you're behind, right? I mean, your fourteen hundred dollar payment could end up being, <clears throat> I've heard seventeen hundred type of a thing, right? Just on taxes because you, you the person bought it in nineteen seventy, you bought it now, they bought it for seventeen thousand, you bought it for four hundred thousand. I mean, the tax couldn't catch up with it because the government's stuck stuck on how much they can tax or how much they can raise right. property taxes per year, and um, you know, so we see i see this all the time and then people are like so th that's how they get upside down and then you get the teaser rate which they offered oh hey uh or, or an arm right? right so hey five years at four percent interest which was fine during the little bit of time but now the five years comes up and if you had to go get it refinance right now eight percent i just looked it up it's because uh friends and i were talking about it. it's 8.15 for a 30 year note yeah, right sure. now right and and if if your payment doubled because of the interest, I mean you're screwed. So and that's we're gonna see that happen in the commercial world, and that's what's happening. That's what I'm, I truthfully like I'm just gonna call it out. That's what I'm waiting for yep. because I will then step in. You know we had a we had a guest last week that talked about it. He, the, 2019 they bought a 40 million dollar property. He's now selling it for 39 five right, yeah. um, 500 thousand less than he bought because the note came due with the five year. And he wasn't making the money to, to, to make the new payment. So I'm going to tee this up for yeah. our guest. Trump. Yeah. Scott, did he absolutely steal the Reagan playbook? <clears throat> mm, that's a good question. Um, well, you know, I think he's wholeheartedly embraced uh, all, all, every Republican uh, economic idea. Even though for years leading up to his presidency, he would say things that, you know, his own personal feelings about abortion or um, the Clinton being a good president or things like that, um, very much, you know, not in the orthodoxy. And, and when he was a candidate, Trump, too, he would say things against NAFTA or he would um, uh, he would be against uh, interventionist military policy, things that you would traditionally consider on the left. But once he became president, like, all that stuff was out the window and yeah, it was anything that the party wants was, you know, he knew where his bread was buttered. So it was everything that way. But I think, I think Trump and Reagan share a real uh, flair for performance. I think that more than anything, um, I think they're both hollow when it comes to their true principles about, economics or anything and and they were willing to be led by the smarter people well not i don't want to say smarter uh but people who knew what they were doing mm -hmm. with e policy and had real a real vision and agenda that trump may not have shared but was more than willing to buy into so one of the things i was looking at today you know, before Trump, who had the most corrupt government, president-wise, I'm going to assume Reagan. Bingo. And say, just you know, well, but I mean, it took him eight years. What it took him four years to do. Yeah, I mean, and you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not mad at Trump for this whole, I lying about how much your shit's worth, right? I mean, I. I ask, you know, I say, how, how much would you sell your car? What do you value your car at, right? 
Oh, like me. If you ask me about my car, prime example, right? Yeah. I'm going to tell you I would sell it for like 15,000 bucks. Okay. Mind you, Kelly Blue Book in the condition this fucking piece of shit is in, like 1,500. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like, and that, right. That's the whole thing. Like, I have brand new tires on it, but like, um, really, it, it, I value my car. Nobody else in this world, except for that other crazy person that loves a purple fucking toaster. Uh, you know, and so, no bank would ever give the loan on it. No, no, you know, it have it'd be a cat. So for these banks to give Trump the, the thing, I don't give a shit. Like they did it because of his name. Oh, hundred percent. Right. And it, and you asked me the question because you thought I was going to take the other side on yeah. this. And, and my answer, my, I, my answer was twofold. One, it's as much, it's worth as much as somebody's willing to pay for it. So yeah. if you ask me what my house is worth, I think it's worth about two twenty. but yeah. really it's worth whatever somebody's willing to pay for it. Yeah. You know, right now in this market, it's probably worth closer to three. Let's say actually, I, I think it's probably closer to one eighty. but again, it's worth what somebody's willing to pay. Yeah. Two, is it Trump's fault? Not necessarily. It's the bank's fault for not verifying. It's the government's fault for not auditing him. Did he lie? Yeah, absolutely lied. But he lies. That's what he does. Right. So, I mean, you know, you say. And, One and other we, thought, Trump's, yeah. um, Trump's net worth. I, I read, uh, I think it was David K. Johnston was writing articles about this like 10 years ago before Trump was president. Um, and he was saying that Trump wasn't even worth a billion dollars, that like his net worth, he called himself a billionaire. But if you actually went in and looked at his finances, it wasn't even close. Now, I don't know if that's changed since then. I mean, a lot's changed since then. But um, I think that's a really interesting point when we're, you know, talking about overvaluing properties by hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what does the forensic analysis say about his actual net worth? Part of Trump's appeal has always been that I'm this brilliant businessman and I'm worth so much money. You guys mentioned all those bankruptcies. I mean, yeah. I don't and, and And that's that's the thing that kind of gets me is I, I tell people this all the time, right? They're like, oh, how much do you own? What, Whatever. Oh, and, you know, sure, there's an arrogance level when I find the right person. Yeah, cool. I'm a millionaire. But I also having a normal conversation like this, I tell people, sure, I have a few million dollar network. But like, I know that if the market crashes and goes away, I mean, I could be worth I almost guaranteed like 500,000 bucks. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I know that everything could just go, you know, back to really, really low. And if I'd, I'd have to do the math, I don't know if, but you know, let's say it's 2010 when I first started and everything went back to that price. I, it'd be, I'd have one versus, you know, 10 million or whatever right. the heck it might be, whatever, you know? And so it, it, you know, Trump, sure. At one point you're sure you're worth, no, it's, you have a billion dollars in, in real estate, you know, that, that's, last episode syndication it's what i hate about syndicators right mm -hmm. i own four 400 units no the fuck you don't no. you own one percent of 400 units right like you're one percent of the deal but the, these guys they walk around and they go oh yeah i, I own 1200 units no 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 your partner your one percent partner on 12 so you own 12 units like yeah. it, it, again it's not it, it's not about bragging to me type thing it's just hey okay and and that's what i tell people all the time in this real estate world like so trump i mean he he doesn't own all of this stuff like that's the thing that people need to understand right trump is a syndicator in that type of yeah. a sense where he gets a bunch of people's money whether it's banks whether it's people they go they go build it trump tower trump doesn't own trump tower his name's on it because he's you know built his name very well or not well whatever 
the people that support him do it. But there's so many partners in that. Like he, you know, he's shady enough. He probably owns 70, 30. So he owns 30% or 70% of it type thing. But like, there's so many other people that are Mm -hmm. in this thing. And when he buys it. So just really, really quick to be, to to make this easy for people. If you're going to go buy a building, most common, quick, quick, quick. Uh, Let's say you're, you're spending a million dollars on a building. All you need to do is put $250,000 down. And now you have a building worth a million bucks. And most people will go, oh yeah, I have a million dollar building. Sure, you have the building, but you still owe 750000 mm-hmm. Nobody tells you what their debt is, right? And so when, when people ask me, oh, what do you have? And it's like, I tell people, look, my, my debt to income currently um, for my properties, I'm down to 32%, right? So I own 68% of my buildings. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I still have debt on all of them. So, you know, and, and again, out of that 25%, right? So if Trump is a 5% partner, Sure, he owned, you know, he owns five percent of it, and then, you know, he yeah. When the equity pays off, it'll be worth a shit ton. It just takes years to pay it off. So, um, just just so that people know, kind of how this really works is, you know, no one person, and you know, I mean, there's some, but like no one person owns any buildings because they always have money from somewhere else. That pooling big rich people money. You're honest about the fact that used to owe a lot of money on your houses the difference with people like trump is he makes you think he oh and he's got people who are stupid enough to believe that he owns a hundred percent of everything that has yep. trump powers or any of and it's all paid for right you know and 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 that's and that's why like that's why i hate syndicators no disrespect to, like they but again they make you think that they own 1200 units and God, no, you don't. <laughs> like, Overinflating themselves. Very much, right? And I'm, I guess I'm just, I'm, to me, it's humble. Like, I'm just very, I, this is what I own, right? <laughs> I, say, I own, um, I own 20% of one unit. There you go, right? <laughs> so, um, all right. So, Reagan, Reagan, your, your favorite fucking president of all time. All time. God knows I wasn't around for this time frame. You were uh, around for a year. A year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're born in 87, 88. So I was around for three months. So I, August, September, October, right? Yeah. No, November. So four. officially, you'd have to go into January. He doesn't officially stop being president until. Oh January. yeah, yeah. I so, say yep. So nice. six months. Good so Scott might know a little better. He had eight years of Bush as his VP. So really, you dealt with four years of Bush just being a puppet of Reagan. Anyway, really, right. truly, yes. <laughs> it was like twelve long years. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I mean, we can get into this. I still don't know how the fuck he beat Mondale so bad. I, was Mondale really that bad? Because I don't really remember that election in 84. Yes. I, I actually wrote about that a little bit. Um, I don't know if I've put it out yet, but uh, during the campaign in 84, Mondale said, uh, well, <clears throat> you know, with all these deficits, Reagan is going to raise your taxes, but he's not going to tell you that he's going to raise your taxes. Wow. I'm going to tell you that I'm going to raise your taxes. And it was like I mean, the worst campaign strategy. If that you anything, don't be honest with politics. I want to be president so I can raise your taxes. And everybody's like, fuck that. Yeah. I well, learned something new that I never knew before. Bush did the read my lips. No, no new taxes. taxes. And he raised yeah. them too. Yep. No, I so think- I think the biggest thing, especially with Mondale, other than the fact that he was being honest, and and you see it now that it's taken 
basically the better part of 20 years to do it, or no, 30 years to do it. He put Ferraro in there as his running mate. Yeah. And I don't think at that point the country was willing to have a female at that level of government. Mm, and they said true. it really took Biden to finally get that. And I think that only happened even in general because people like Clinton were willing to put, you know, Janet Reno and others in seats of power and, you know, Hillary, Hillary, Clinton, Hillary Clinton ran a pretty well, she won the popular vote against Trump, just didn't win the Electoral College. And reasons to get rid of the Electoral with, College. And then with, yeah. Um, the move mine. Right now, yeah, they were, finally, they're like, okay, we can have a woman. You know, we had an African-American or half African-American man as president. You know, we can move beyond everything being white males. And yeah, but, the but the going into the 84 election, it wasn't like, oh, Reagan's a lock. Um, you no. know, it was kind of a question because he wasn't super popular during that first no. term. No. Well, you know, when, when you look at him, he, he was, again, Trump before Trump. He said a lot of lies and he just kept repeating them. And people mm-hmm. kind of believed what he said. So one of the things I loved was he, he hammered Carter on be having a 50 billion dollar deficit sure you want to know what reagan's deficit was when he left office oh i'm gonna guess real quick you listen let's do it i'm gonna say probably hit trillion 150 billion 200 billion 200 billion yeah really yeah four times the amount and the federal debt went from 738 billion to 1.2 trillion oh shit so he was great at Spending money. Yeah. And he basically yeah. only spent it on the military. And I mean, and we can sit there and say basically two things. I mean, really, in my opinion, Carter got elected because Ford was an absolute idiot. Yeah, he pardoned Nixon. Yeah. Well, if that he may not and honestly at that point, the world was so pissed off at or the United States was so pissed off at Carter that that's why Reagan got. I mean, literally, you're talking about a guy who's only role in politics was the head of the Screen Actors Guild. Well, he was governor of California. Well, governor of California, you're right. But yeah, yeah. even that. Um, he wasn't an editor for several years. He wasn't, you know... Even then, I mean, Bush was literally, before he became vice president, just the director of, what, the CIA or whatever? He'd been a career-long, uh, you know, political flack in the party. Yeah. He- a whole number of jobs H.W. Bush did. But he never really was like a senator for a long period of time or a governor or whatever. Right. Let's see. And, and, you know, you, because, right, I mean, Reaganomics, right, uh, the, the idea of trickle down, right, it would work in theory. It would right. work in theory if right. rich people were selfish. say it, 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 kind of it, right? So, I mean, we look at the the union, right? The UAW of what's going on right now. The CEO gets a forty percent increase in what was it? Was it a year or was it? You know, it was just a very short period of time. And now the UAW is going. Well, we want forty percent over the next five years, right? Mm-hmm. To to get us to this, because if you can afford for this, you should be able to afford it all. And that's one thing I fully agree upon. Like 
hey, if if this per, you know, I don't care if you make a million bucks and now you're at forty percent more, so you're 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 making one point four million. Um, and I, as the low man on the totem pole, am making ten thousand a year. Well, now I'm making fourteen thousand, right? Like that forty percent should go across the board in that sense of thing, right? Uh, you know. I remember Gentex, right? I'm making, you know, hey, we were for a while we're limited to like a quarter per every six months of like literally 25 cents, right? Per per hour um every six months. And then and then they raise it a little bit. But you know, while the CEO who started it, which I give him full credit, uh, is getting, you know, billions, but like more and more stock, more and more everything. And so it's kind of it's kind of different for me. Um well, you know, I, I think one of the things that pisses me off about the reagan thing so much is conservatives hold them up as this beacon of fiscal conservativeness yeah there was nothing fiscally conservative about reagan it was just a big bullshit story and i mean you can sit there and say you know trickle down in theory works but you can also say communism in theory works <laughs> it does. In it's theory, the it does. same fucking theory yeah so you give all the money to the rich people and then they pay all of the workers money or everybody just gets paid the same. Right. Okay, you can take both of them. And if you have honest people that care about other people, sure, they work. And that's the problem. But it, you don't. Is, is, so that's what capitalism is ruined by, is the fact that people forget people, right? And um, I think you can point a lot of that to Reagan, especially with the tax cuts for the rich. Yeah. Actually, so. that. Um, so what we're talking about we call it trickle down. We also call it supply side economics mm -hmm. and the, very much an intentional strategy um, after uh, the oil crisis, recession, mm -hmm. speculation in the 70s. <clears throat> people were saying, well, what do we do? We've had 40 years of New Deal redistributive policies where, um, you know, workers are getting a big share of the pie and uh, that's not working anymore. And it wasn't really because of anything domestically. One of the big reasons that we were having all those troubles all, all of a sudden at that time was um, the post-World War II advantages that we'd had ever since World War II up to the 70s. We were the biggest world exporter, the biggest industrial base, and all of our international competitors by the 70s had kind of caught up. Germany, Japan, uh you know, everybody was back online, rebuilt all those factories. And so we just weren't going to be able to get that massive share of the pie anymore. And so people who, uh, economists like Milton Friedman, especially, the real brains behind supply side economics, in my opinion, um, was saying, well, what we need to do is go back to what we were doing before the New Deal, go back, look back to the Gilded Age, the 1920s, and just like, take it easy on the rich. We need to give the rich, let the rich keep as much of their money as possible, because they'll invest that money. And then that will, that will create massive growth. And we'll, we'll be able to sustain our growth like we had back in the 50s and 60s. Uh, we'll be able to get that back, which was, it was insane to think that. You could never recapture that level of growth because it was completely a historical fluke but um what they were saying is let's return to the days when we took it easy on the rich as an intentional strategy uh for long-term growth and it that didn't happen now, the rich definitely got richer but the the long-term growth a lot of the ideas that 
the things they said that were going to happen because of that never materialized. And that in all those same policies are the reason we have massive inequality today where you have CEOs that are making a thousand times uh, or uh, what's the average for the top 350 companies is 377 times what their average salary worker is making. Mm -hmm. So there's 365 days a year. They're making more than the average worker salary every day of the year. Mm -hmm. Well, you talk about they, they, they did that and they modeled it off the 20s, but did it really work in the 1920s? Because we all know what happened at the tail end of the 1920s. Right. Well, it was the 1920s were an absolute heyday for the rich. And <laughs> the rich are the ones who were behind, um, you know, they're the ones behind the Republican Party, especially. Yeah. And ones behind these economists saying, yeah, we should go back and take charge again and put these old policies back in place because we don't want to share with the workers anymore. At that point, I mean, and we've talked about it, I think, in some of the ones where we've had, like, you know, David Seawick and others on there. And, you know, officially, you know, 150-ish plus years ago, the Republicans were truly the party of the people. Like, mm -hmm. they were the ones who really wanted slavery to be abolished like they were really the party of the common man in the in the democrat and it was probably right around the time you're talking about in the 20s or whatever that it almost like flipped the switch probably post-world war one um it, it was you go back into the late 1800s actually that was really when things were starting to shift and um the republican party was starting to see uh a lot of pushback because of their um because of their policies about reconstruction and stuff and yeah. and realized you know if we can get they, they refocused back then onto a more pro-rich kind of mentality yeah and uh when we look at some of the things we're dealing with today because nick you brought up the uaw yeah um so one of the first things reagan did was fire all the air traffic controllers. Of course. Because they went on strike. And not legal for a, a government employee to go on strike. No. So he fired all of them and barred them from working for the government ever again. Which, once that happened, other companies were like, well, shit. He doesn't care about unions. Let's Open start busting them. Yep. Yeah. And, um, sorry, I was doing some quick research you know um poverty the poverty line technically is yeah. um 16,990 dollars for for one right now yeah yep and uh if you oh. make if you make $7.25 which is the minimum wage in 20 states yep. i don't know about everybody that's the federal minimum say. wage yeah let's say um and uh that that's $15,000 right yeah. and there's minimum wage is below the poverty line yeah, which is absolutely when it was insane. created, it was intended to be a living wage. Yeah. And uh, you know, so we, we talk about the, the difference in you said three hundred and thirty-seven times more than the average mm -hmm. worker is what your the CEOs are making. Seventy-seven. The that's the the CEOs of the top three hundred and fifty companies make on average three hundred and seventy-seven times their average salary worker. That is absolutely freaking insane. So, I mean, on the 
on the minimum wage, right? So if you're only making that's fifty, that's five million dollars. And again, when you and I talk about these things, you are always on the side of the rich person, <laughs> very much, and not really looking at what that constitutes. Because if you sat there and said, "Oh, he's making five million, he's cool, he can pay everybody seven twenty-five an hour," you'd be like, "That's bullshit. They should get more than seven twenty-five an hour. You can't live on that." say my my issue my issue is 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 choice right so again i i think that you have the choice to go do this okay so you you look at walmart and how much negative is talked about them and right they are so it's funny because i love the business of walmart Mm -hmm. i think they're pieces of shit right Mm -hmm. so again that which is which is why i have moral dilemmas and things right because again very fiscally conservative also right socially Socially liberal liberal. right so i I do generally care about people and i care about this thing but i you know i mentally right i think people need to go 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 make themselves better right and i know it doesn't happen overnight so i'm gonna bring this up though yeah um do you know much about mississippi no i don't know shit either i don't know what's in mississippi i don't know what kind of businesses they have there's a casino there but my guess is and i'm sure they're one of the 725 minimum wage states oh um looking at mississippi because i don't know what's there and it's not like people talk about their great steel mills or you know i have no idea what anything would be (laughs) my thought is majority of workers there probably have to work for minimum wage because there probably aren't jobs that are paying a hell of a lot more. Sure. And if you're going to keep that at seven twenty-five an hour, these people are going to stay poor forever. Yep. But that's where, that's where, that's where people unionizing to me. And, and I mean this in like in a unionizing mm-hmm. way, and I'm not trying to stereotype in a sense, but like, you know, Asian culture, right? I mean, they're, they put three families in a house and I get that it's uncomfortable for you and things, but then, you know, they're, they're paying off this thing so quick, but take, and it, it, oh, I don't want to leave my family. And I get the whole daycare aspect of things, but like take and move, right? If, if we wiped out Mississippi, they would learn, right? Uh, just, the, that's what unions are for, right? Like you will learn, you will pay. And trust me, I used to be so anti-union, right? Um, So anti-union because the whole hey you know and and it's happening right now it, what i said is happening so the, the uaw is is down and there's people you know and these guys make 34 dollars an hour roughly i want to say or something as a, i think that's their average yeah yep and um there's guys that are getting paid 14 or 15 yep. to go past the picket line and go work so we know that there's workers out there there's people that are willing to go do this and so my thing is like hey if the company's going to but it doesn't show devotion to the person, right? And so holding these holding these companies responsible for it, I mean, that's what you need to do, right? And you know, I, I where do you draw that line, right? As the government, they shouldn't step in, but companies should be forced to have their hands slapped in the sense of, hey, these workers. I mean, if you could fill jobs that quick, good for you. But by the time, I mean, if all the if all of America got together, we said it. We said it about uh, during covid right with the whole nurse aspect mm-hmm. and then new york actually did it i was fucking proud i was like all the nurses just walked out yeah good like nobody and the problem is is nurses of all people right that we know of nurses have the biggest heart right yeah. so they're dying inside while people are literally dying and no you, you you come together and do this so i think it's take it's going to take a long process for america to realize hey you know what i i don't need this private fucking jet that's this big 
or jets are going to have to come down in price so that ceo can still buy it but you know i i i don't care how much somebody gets paid as long as everybody's making it well i mean we're diverting a little because yes yeah, that's what we do but you know i i look at a lot of scott's tiktoks yeah and that's one of the things he talks about a lot on his tiktoks is how how is this issue that we have relatable to people sure because that's the that's the disconnect in this country people will say things but they don't really know how it really relates to them and then they pick up buzzwords but they don't really know how those relate to them and they don't really gain that understanding and you've said it a million times you're not real book smart oh gosh no you aren't real great at reading no but you know how to learn very much so i think that even though there's a lot of bad with social media, there's a lot of good with it too. You know, you can sit there and listen to a three minute video from Scott and pick up a whole host of knowledge from this that helps you make a better informed decision when it comes to a job or voting for a politician or all of these other things. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna let Scott talk now because I just <laughs> talked about how great he is. <laughs> well, thank you. I Appreciate those kind words very much, David. And I think Nick and David, you both brought up unions. And I that is um, so important, I think, in this discussion about uh, inequality and, and people being able to make it. Um, we're seeing a lot more union activity happening right now, and it's very exciting. And I think it's because Americans have been pushed up against the wall because we've had more than 40 years of union busting going on that started with the Reagan era, with that um, that air traffic controller strike that you mentioned, David, um, because I, actually, I actually know a guy, one of my good friends, his dad was an air traffic controller fired by Reagan. Oh. It, affected, it affected their whole family for, oh, yeah. for decades. Um, it, it's Unions are really the only institution, I think, that allows working people to push back against the power of the rich because I, I think it's and I kind of feel like Nick was alluding to this not really wanting the government to get involved and say you know oh you know this is okay that's not okay and in questions of labor versus management or whatever and that's why you have unions because the actual workers there are the ones who are fighting for the things that affect them and unions as an institution are you know this it's it's the people it's the actual workers standing up and saying uh we're not going to be taken advantage of like this you need to give us a bigger slice of the pie and if you look at the 40 years before reagan uh there was massive union agitation during the depression and and during the war and after the war that was the peak union membership levels in America. And it was it was also the time that was called the um, the golden age of capitalism in America because workers were getting paid more, a, a larger slice of the pie than they'd ever gotten in history. And that was powering the entire American economy because lots of people had money in pocket to spend. And that consumer spending makes up 70% of our nation's economy. So when you put money in the hands of people, they spend it. And when we don't have money, we're stuck at home. You know, I hear from commenters on my videos all the time, like, 
I don't have any money. I, all I can spend money is on groceries. I got nothing left over after groceries. And yep. everything's going insane right now. All the prices are growing up, going up. Reflation, I think. It's these corporations are just profit taking. Uh, and unions are a, a really proven way in American history that workers can say, no, we're not going to we're not going to accept this. We're not going to accept a 725 minimum wage. That's you, nobody can live off of $15,000 a year. Yeah, no, I mean even in my low ass places. Um, you know, one thing you had kind of said in there was consumer consumers uh spending is 70% of American economy, mm-hmm. right? Um and I Bush, I don't remember. So the 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 stimulate that first came out or whatever was that um, I think the first stimulus we, stimulus we got was Bush. It yeah. was right around 2008 recession, I believe. Yeah, I some, believe. something like that. And so... Um, Actually, it might have been a little before that. It might have been post 9-11, but I, sure. I'd have to look it up. Uh, so, you know, and, and now, the, you know, a couple of them kind of come out. And, but th- there's usually a, a, a pay amount, you know, so, hey, if you make over 170,000 bucks, you don't get the stimulus. Because they know for a fact that the poor people are going to go spend it and all the people with 170000 or above are just going to put it in the bank and it's going to sit there. They wanted the money to go through the economy. So that's the whole thing is, hey, if you pay more, these people are going to go do more, right? I mean, they're going to spend it. So, um, February, oh, you know, rich people, I'm not, I'm not rich, right? Like, but like, I mean, I'm a saver. That's just what I mm-hmm. do. I, I barely, <laughs> I'm not anymore like you know i'm not the help to the to the economy right like i want to be clear on that like i'm not i'm not out there financing the world i'm not doing but the normal average person oh shit that's what they do i mean that that's why america's gotten to the way it is you're not but you kind of are nick i'm like you're still going and doing vacations you're going and buying your beer you're going and getting you know but compared to other people like that compared to other people Compared, no, to, compared to other people, but a, a, normal, a normal American, right? A normal American is like what Scott said. They don't they don't have anything left over after they buy groceries. But they're yeah. financing it. I mean, right? They're America's in debt. America's yeah. in debt because that's the only way to live. Right. But yeah. well, you and I we talk we talk budget and hope that because there is way it just sucks, right? Okay, I I just budgeting kid. Yeah. Okay. And I got fifteen thousand dollars worth of medical debt. Yeah. But look at Look at Caitlin, right? Like, yeah. I mean, she doesn't make great money, right? Uh, she makes about thirty thousand a year, which is not great money. <laughs> but she can it's make above it. Above the right? poverty level, for, yeah, she's right? twice the poverty but, level. But what I'm saying is, she can make it. Uh-huh. It. She's just not. I mean, and and the times that she goes out and gets a stupid haircut, the haircut was great. The amount of money was. Don't take me there. But <laughs> all I'm saying, right? So she she can't go do that type of a stuff, right? Like. And I I pull a Caitlin every once in a while and go spend three grand on a vacation or something like right. But like I, all I'm saying is I I don't spend what normal people do. I mean, you did go in the private room at Vinny's to buy a bottle of whiskey. I did. Yeah. Say <laughs> um, they wouldn't but, even let me in. But, the, <laughs> but but this is a you know again like I I once in a blue moon and that's what people do. You know, like yeah. normal people will just go buy every day right like so when i go to buy beer it's granted but like but like you know normally hey it's a once-off type of a thing where normal americans they're constant right i mean 
you know, the, my, my friends will say that my, my normal, my age friends, right. I mean, they're out every night or every day, like they're, they're still decorating their damn house. So like I change my, well, my wife changes the curtains twice now, but like, I, I know people that change their curtains all the freaking yeah, time, no, no, right? Like no. I'm not out doing this, right. I'm not spending, spending, spending. And, you know, to me, I have the same kitchen table I've had since I married my wife. I know people that have gone through three of them. We bought one in 23 years. Right. Like, but uh, you see what I'm saying is, yeah, is yeah. I know people that are doing and, but you're spending, I mean, your spending is different as well. Like yours is more Comic-Cons. Yeah. I'm spending a shit yeah. time to go see Mark Hamill. So, but, you know, I digress. But, so everybody has their, everybody has their thing. You know, mine is $15 at a bowling alley, you know, once a week or whatever, <laughs> you know, so, so let, let's very, talk about some unemployment but, numbers and, uh, yeah. And, um, what was unemployment during Reagan? So when Reagan started, 7.5%. Yeah, high. And it went it jumped to almost 11. That's crazy. And it averaged 7.5 for his entire presidency. Never never went down. I mean, when he left office it was 5 something, but the average over the 8 years was 7.5%. Oh. Um jobs grew a whopping 2% okay. under Reagan which under Carter, they grew 3.1. So Carter created more jobs, even though you'll have conservatives that talk about how great Reagan was for jobs. Yeah. Um, median household income. This is one I love. Um, it grew at 5.5%. Under Reagan? Under Reagan. Okay. As opposed to 8.5% the eight years leading up to Reagan. Okay. So, I mean, literally all of the economic numbers are worse and we have that myth that's been told for the last 50 years sure. that Republican economies are the best economies. No, we've proven that. I mean, we have. Yeah. But if you listen to like news stations, they'll still tell you that Republican economies are great. Hmm. But there's no basis for that. Well, there's, there's always there's a big basis for it. It's literally the rich people are putting po- money in the pockets of the news media mm-hmm. yeah. and it doesn't matter whether it's your you know fully conservative fox news or even your cnn there's still people with deep pockets at the top of cnn yeah so scott what is your what is your take on on what's happening with americans with jobs currently um i mean do you do you see that we're going to have a, a downward trend in in financial pay um, do you see that things are going to get rough? What, what, what do you What do you think? Boy, I'm not very good at predicting the future, but I would say that we are at a a low ebb for American worker power. Like we're see one of the reasons we're seeing unions come back now is because corporations have their boot right on the workers' neck, and the corporations just call the shots and and that's why so much money is going to stock buybacks and everything is financial and and the stock market and nothing it's all businesses just aren't giving anything back to their workers because at this point they don't have to one of the reasons is because union membership is so low um we are weaker as workers than we've been in decades and it's time for that to 
hopefully swing back in the other direction. My hope is that the pendulum will start swinging back for a correction um, because you, you just can't have all of the, you know, giant, giant portions of the, the economic pie going to just a very few people. It's not, it's not good for the national economy. It's not good for the majority of Americans. Um, it's, it's even bad for business. Business would be better, as I indicated, if workers were paid more, then people could go out and spend money and that would, that would help business too. And it would even help share prices. Um, but this philosophy, this supply side philosophy, even though we're 40 years removed from Reagan, um, these policies have just, you know, calcified and solidified. And Reagan was, you know, well, actually it was Jimmy Carter who was the first one to cut taxes on the rich, but then Reagan did it even more and uh, just slashed tax rates on the rich down to the lowest levels they had been in, in eons. And um, that is, that's one of the reasons that things are so bad is because we let rich people keep so much of the money. And then on top of that, on top of not taxing the rich, we borrow from them because our federal deficit, whatever money we can't cover for federal spending um, goes to, you know, we sell treasury notes to cover that, right? So it becomes debt. So who buys that? The majority of that is domestic and it's bought by rich people. So instead of taxing the rich, we're borrowing from them and we're paying them interest on that money. So it's it's really out of whack and and the, the power balance is completely out of whack. I, the the people running these companies are just running roughshod over workers and you know with cost of everything going up so high and people can't make ends meet and uh, I, I know everybody's feeling the pinch. Uh, I just don't see how sustainable this is in the long term. Yeah, well, I would say in the long term, it's just not sustainable. I mean, there there has to be some kind of change made because people out there don't have enough money to do the things they want to do. I mean, you know, you look at, I'm going to say kids nowadays. So basically, uh, younger millennials like my daughter and the older Gen Z that, you know, is now graduated high school, they're all looking around going, I can't afford to buy a house ever. It's mm -hmm. just never going to happen. I'll get a house when my parent dies, if they have one. And if not, I'll just never have a house because that is such a foreign thought to them because they don't have the money and they don't have a path to getting that money. You know, we, we saddled millennials with huge student debt because Ooh. that's another Go Thanks. ahead, Scott. I'm sorry to interrupt you, David. No, go ahead. I heard this recently. Um, in California, Reagan, when he was governor, was one of the pioneers of, uh, back when he was governor, uh, going to in-school university at University of California or any of the California schools was free for if you were a California resident. And, Cal and Reagan was one of the first to pioneer that uh, the idea of saying, no, we're not going to do that anymore. Uh, we're going to cut spending on higher learning and we're going to uh, raise tuition. And if you want to go to school, you're going to have to take out loans. So this whole idea of taking out massive loans uh, to pay for school started with Reagan. Now, he wasn't the one who came up with the idea. And it's actually 
ideologically motivated because people with money, uh, smart people with money, were starting to say, Ugh, maybe it's not good to have all these working class kids getting these really good college educations for free because they're going to want more, uh, a bigger slice of the pie, like we're talking about, uh, after they've been educated. And so this was part of that idea is, okay, well, let's load them up with debt. And so now here we are, uh, 50 years removed from, from that happening in California, and we see the results of that. Sorry to interrupt. No, no it's it, perfect. I mean, it, it, it's perfect. I think that honestly leads into where we're sitting at today. So they basically corrupted higher education. Mm -hmm. And now you can see what's happening with school boards across the country, that they're corrupting now primary and secondary education, mm -hmm. trying to, you know, when we had Betsy DeVos as the education secretary, trying to push people towards charter or private institutions, mm -hmm. which again, this is to control information that's given to people because we want obedient workers. Yeah. We don't want educated people making educated decisions. Yeah. And I just say, you know, I, my wife and I fight about this all the time because my wife is, is a worker, right? Mm -hmm. um, she likes her job. She, stuff like that but she is a worker. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so she, you know, she's the kind of person where I sit here and say, Hey, we're going to go away for two weeks. And she's like, Oh, your daughter can't be out of school that long. And she thinks it's, Oh, because she's not going to learn. And my kid will learn more in my opinion, being on vacation with me. Right. I mean, when we drive down the road, my daughter constantly, Hey, ask me math questions, ask me math questions, you know, stuff like that. And so she works on it, but like she reads, she does all this stuff. Yes. She's not learning in a normal way, but now she gets to see more of the world. Right. And she gets to understand. Um, and I tell her, I was like, look, your, you know, school is so, if you look at school comparison to a job, they literally gear you from day one to be an employee, yep. right? The school says, Hey, you're only allowed 14 days of sick time. Uh, you know of sick time and then we have to contact your parents or whatever and then you get 21 or whatever it is until we have to contact law enforcement yep. or whatever it is right and you get this and so they literally like they're setting you up for hey this is what you can get this is you know no more no more no less um it starts at 8 15 or whatever the hell time it looked 8 30 in the morning if you're late you get a point if you're late at work, you get a point, right? And a point leads to, you know, a day off. And then, you know, oh, well, we can kick you out of school for this type of a thing, you know? And so, oh, lunchtime is this time. It's for 30 minutes. This is what you get. You know, they have such a structure where it's literally structured like a factory, right? You are a sheep that walks in. <laughs> say, and what are they teaching there? They're teaching memorization skills. Oh, they're not what? teaching critical thinking. Yeah, right. Definitely not critical thinking, but another thing is following the rules and following authority. You yep. got to listen to the teacher. You got to listen to the principal. You Like you were saying, Nick, you got to show up on time. You got to mm -hmm. do what you're told. That's a yep. big part of the American educational system. Oh, and, and, and you know, and to me, you know, it's seven year olds, true critical thinking. I mean, they just don't have the cognitive development at that point, regardless of what you might like. I fully agree there needs to be changes to it but like when they we've had the conversation here before yeah, but these kids you know learning about diversity equity and inclusion are not learning critical race theory 
Right. They're literally yep. learning just to be acceptant of other people around them. But even in high school, we don't teach critical thinking. I mean, there is no critical thinking. No, but at that point, they could. Right. right. But it's not saying to teach it to Nick's daughter, who's eight. Eight, right. But, you know, and that's my... So I had a friend of mine, um, realtor, who who we were talking, and his, his dad was not a religious person. Mm-hmm. Um, but his mom was, and... and, and he actually went to uh, a Christian school and he looked at his dad and he goes, um, but you know, and he's a really religious guy and, his, and they were involved. And so he, he looked at his dad and he goes, why? And he goes, well, cause I thought it was a better, I think, I think it's a better education. I thought it was a better education. You know, I stand behind that and that's great. And he goes, the difference is between us, he goes, um, you know, when you, when you send your kids to a Christian school, they forget, you know, they think that the school is going to teach them about God, mm-hmm. but their parents are out doing messed up shit and setting horrible examples because they figure that that's the school's responsibility is to teach them that learn, you know, you learn by watching, you learn by doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that to me is, is a huge thing. Hey, like these teachers, they don't give hate enough. I bless their heart for the crap they have to put up with. Well, because they're getting paid worse than public school teachers are, right? Yeah. But, you know, so any teacher and so i look at it and say hey you know lead by example do this you know these things need to happen right um you know my my eight-year-old yeah she's not she's not learning critically unless she's watching (laughs) unless she's watching me which you know she catches on a lot but you know scott you had mentioned like hey you have to pay attention you know respect your principal or you know listen to what these rules and this and trust me i i already know i'm fighting right like my my mom um, you know, she, she, the other day, my daughter had a little spaghetti strap on and, and she's like, oh, no, no granddaughter of mine's going to have, you know, have her boob showing or whatever. And I was like, she's eight. She's eight. Like, she doesn't this, have any boobs. And, and number, like, never worry about my daughter's body. That shouldn't be your concern in any way, shape or form. If my daughter's comfortable, she's confident, she's fine with it. I'm completely okay with this, right? Like, do not talk about that type of a thing. Like, you know, don't body shame my kid. Expose you aside. Right. 100%. Hey, hey I don't feel really comfortable with Emerson wearing that. And you yep. go, that's great, mom. Not your fucking problem. Yep. And so, you know, she made my daughter put a shirt on or whatever. And my daughter's taught, you know, to respect it's not to obey, but like mm-hmm. I constantly have a fight with them. So I know that, you know, going into school, if my daughter wants to wear something, oh yeah, big bad Nick's going to go in. And everybody knows I'm already building this with, with the principal. <clears throat> you know, I've told the principal, I was like, Hey, if you have somebody that you just really want to tell to go F off or you want him hit in the face, I don't have a job. Right. Like right. I'm fine with going to jail for a day. I will gladly do this for you. Right. And he, he <clears throat> thinks I'm joking in a sense, but like, yeah, but if, it's, if it's bad enough, let's fucking do this. Right. Well, again, I, you know, my teachers all loved me because yeah. I was a good kid. You were quiet, but they also hated me because I was extremely logical. Yeah. I, you know, I, I've told you this story before. I took a math test when I was in first grade. I just wrote down the answers. I was done in 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. They called my mom. She came in. My mom looks at it and goes, what is this? That's my math test. Why didn't you do it? I know how to add. You know I know how to add. She knows I know how to add. Why do I have to do it? Yeah. Let's see. And it made perfect sense to me. Yep. And then, you know, she related it to other things. She was a nurse. I know I can save that guy's life. You know I can save that guy's life. He knows I can save his life. Yep. Why do I have to do it? <laughs> okay, mom, I get it. <laughs> yeah. But most kids aren't 
thinking that way. I was the exception to the rule. Oh man. And, and, you know, I fight for, I fight. I actually just applied for a job. Sorry, quick tangent. I applied for a job in the high school Mm -hmm. that I went to. Right. And one of the athletic directors, you know, knows you kind of right. And so I was like, look, yeah, I'm not going to lie. Like I, I snuck out every day to go to Costco and they're like, oh, yeah, because I did it all four years, right? Because yeah. you're only supposed to leave as a senior. And I was like, yeah, of course. Like, it's a dollar fifty for a hot dog, and yeah. I get to eat that day versus having to come here because my mom was too proud to get free or reduced lunch, right? Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go eat for a dollar fifty versus having to pay your $4 and something cents here. Like, I, yeah, I'm going to go do it, right? Plain and simple. You know, I, I've always been that rebel aspect because i've had to right? right and if i believe in something i'm going to stand up for it. and i teach my daughter the exact same thing right um but she also is taught to respect right <clears throat> you get told hey fine you respect it you do it and we'll have we'll, we'll, yeah, have we'll talk about it later right but like if she snuck out every single day and got yelled at for the exact same thing because we were broke i'd be like wait so she's spending a dollar but not giving the school three extra dollars you're mad at her for this now, tell you what, I'll sign her out every single day and she will officially be signed out. Every, well, then she'll have absences. You can't have an absent from, from lunch hour. Right. <laughs> like, that's not a possibility. So, uh, also, it's Granville. got an F in the lunch. Yeah. I say also, uh, the school I was at, um, they, I can't believe how many kids are door dashing. Really? Oh, my gosh. Like, because I happened to be there right before this time. 25 i mean there's p- kids ordering full pizzas like there is showing up at pan- panera bread wow. like i mean and, i was like kids i was broke as a high school kid can't do delivery any like they will not let people order like doordash or really those things oh. Cause they, i mean but nowadays you've also got to look at it as you're letting these people on campus that they could just I could yeah. literally just have a DoorDash bag that had a gun in it. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, let's see. I never even thought about it that way. But yeah, yeah I, I just was fully surprised. Why some schools? But I mean, I think those same school districts are also moving now to where free lunch or reduced lunch is for everybody. Yeah, and not I, just well, for the people who apply. It's literally just like yeah. And I think it's great. My daughter, my daughter gets free lunch uh, because that's what our school. Yeah. everybody in the whole school the whole district yeah they're, they're moving to that in michigan yeah and i'm like man but then it's Sorry, one more time. You said your your mom was too embarrassed to apply for it yeah so you went off site to eat but nowadays a kid like you wouldn't have to do that you'd get the same food yep. that everybody else you just may not have the ability to buy the extra like taco for a dollar you don't I didn't even know they sold extras <laughs> There's so. always extras that you can buy because that's why my kids are still like, we'll put something in there. And it might end up being things like, oh, I want to buy a candy bar or I want to buy, you know, an extra large soft drink or something like that. Three giant bags of popcorn. Yeah. So popcorn. anyway, um, so Scott, I, what is your, let's say, what is your opinion on what, what, the, I guess, the, sorry, not opinion. What do you think is similar between Reagan and Trump in, in, the, ne- in the negative or the positive ways? <clears throat> um, well, okay. I, I don't know if it's a negative or a positive, but I think there's a lot of stagecraft involved uh, in both. Um, 
Trump was the host of The Apprentice. Uh, Link, uh, Reagan was uh, an actor in California and Hollywood for years and years. I It reminds me, I, I came across this funny quote uh, from James Garner. Uh, you remember him from Rockford Files. He wrote a memoir. It came out in uh, 2011 or so. And he wrote about his time in the Screen Actors Guild. He was the vice president under Reagan, who was the president of the Screen Actors Guild. And I thought this was really funny. Uh, Ronald Reagan wasn't qualified to be governor, let alone president. I was vice president of the Screen Actors Guild when he was its president. My duties consisted of attending meetings and voting. The only thing I remember is that Ronnie never had an original thought and that we had to tell him what to say. That's no way to run a union, let alone a state or a country. So, I mean, I, I think in both cases, when you talk about the stagecraft, um, is that we, we have this image of presidents uh, as being these take charge executives who make all these decisions. And that's, I mean, that's Trump's uh, stock and trade, right? Like he's the boss uh, and you're fired and all that. Um, but I think, I think when you're at that level, uh, there are other voices that are helping guide the decision-making mm -hmm. process. Um, and you talk about somebody like Reagan, who was an actor, um, you know, part of the, part of the mystique of the Reagan era is that he was this really friendly, um, you know, nice man who, uh, could commute. He was the great communicator, um, but I think there were people like Donald Rumsfeld and Dick Cheney and these hardcore Republican movement guys um, who were really guiding him mm -hmm. and moving moving the needle about the kind of policies. Because I don't think Reagan would have come up with the neoliberal agenda on his own to deregulate, slash taxes, privatize whatever uh, public they could, you know, he's not, he's not the brains behind that operation. He's the friendly face uh, that brings those pro-rich policies uh, into the world and, and people like him. So they don't realize that he's not. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's not, what actors in, in a lot of cases, that's what actors are anyway. They're puppets to directors and producers and all that. So he was literally a puppet for all these people who really had an agenda. That's kind of what I think. Uh, I think Trump is a little different. I mean, Trump is, he really shoots from the hip and he doesn't listen to anybody. He doesn't do his homework. He doesn't take the time to understand things and he's impulsive and reckless uh so i think trump's maybe not so easily guided um behind the scenes like reagan might have been uh, there's a hilarious saturday night live sketch with phil hartman playing ronald reagan and uh he's like uh, he has a little kid come into the oval office and he's like, oh come here timmy you know for a photo session and then as soon as timmy's gone he's like all right back to work this is a ran contra thing you know, what are we doing? We're selling these weapons uh, to the Iranians. We're exchanging them from ho for hostages. And, you know, it, it was hilarious because it makes fun of this whole, whole idea that Reagan was actually 
making all these important decisions behind the scenes. And it seems kind of ridiculous uh, when you see it like that, that he was like, really kicking ass behind the scenes. Um, and I don't think he was. I think he was checked out. I think he was uh, uh, something that was suitable for the, you know, that the public liked that could be like the spoonful of sugar that it would help all these really pro-rich policies go down. And I think we saw that a little bit with Trump as well. What's Trump's signature legislative achievement when he was president was this massive corporate tax cut that mm -hmm. increased tax for the working class. So Trump is supposed to be this working class hero. He's supposed to be one of the great presidents who has this ability to connect with the American working class. Uh, and the one thing that he did when he was president was, you know, stick it to them with the taxes. So well, and I think I don't well, officially wanna, hasn't I don't stuck know. it to them yet because the tax breaks that they got along with that are about to end. Right. So they're really not sticking it to the workers until he would have been out of office or near out of office at mm -hmm. the end of a perfect design anyway yeah. yeah no and that and that's exactly it right so like i you know i think that most americans um right are oblivious to because i remember when i was Ignorant. working very right i remember when i was working people are like oh man i have an extra 20 bucks in my paycheck i have an extra 20 bucks in my paycheck and i was like yeah but it's going to end and gentex will continue to get that 20 dollars. Yeah. like they're going to get 200 million every every year yours no no it's 20 bucks in my paycheck and i was like yeah they don't understand they're just you ignorant really, to you it really, you have no idea what's going on here like sure you're not going to pay that much in taxes for a very short period of time but let me know when you're pissed yeah. off in a couple of years right and but problem is, is america gets used to it mm -hmm. and then they're just like eh, this is what it is my well and scott said it was the perfect design 100%. it was it was set up so that when he was out of office they could blame somebody else which in turn right now is going to be by oh yeah Biden did it. He raised my taxes. Yep. Um, Scott <laughs> brought up a great point. So, he, you know, he was talking about Reagan and, and how people see him. Yep. So I remember I took a vacation to D.C. in 87 and they had all this fucking Reagan merchandise around calling him Ronbo as a takeoff <laughs> of Rambo. Oh, and God. Literally, just like the Trump Stallone Rocky shit. Yeah. They put fucking Reagan's head on Stallone's body as though he was fucking Rambo, okay? <laughs> and people laud him as this really tough guy on terrorism and and other countries and shit. So let, let's just talk for a minute about all of the other countries he fucked up and the ways he fucked them up. So... <laughs> nice transition. Back to my notes. Um, Scott brought up Iran-Contra, which we traded weapons for hostages. Yep. Because he was so hard on, you know, the brown people. Yeah. Um, he also sold weapons to Saddam at the same time he was <laughs> sending weapons to Iran, and they were both fighting each other. So <laughs> Iraq and Iran were fighting, and he was supplying both with weapons. He armed um, bin Laden with the freedom fighters in Afghanistan, yeah. which led to the creation of Al-Qaeda. Um, he attacked Grenada. To help Grenada, literally a tidy little island. Yeah, to help no. people think that he was tough on something. <laughs> I think that war was twelve hours. Uh, 
We give. Is he also what? president during during the uh, Nicaragua thing where they just blasted yeah. Van Halen outside of yeah. Noriega's uh Well he uh, liked Noriega and then he didn't. Right. Noriega was a CIA very friendly with the CIA before they uh decided they didn't want him anymore. Um back during the hostage crisis before Reagan was elected, uh there I'm pretty sure that there's evidence that uh, Reagan tried to make a deal with the Iranians. Um, well, he must have because it was the, I think it was the day he was sworn in, the hostages were released and it was like, and so Reagan could take cr credit for it. So you, they were actually kept there longer. Uh, purely <laughs> so yeah, that's, you know, I mean, and that it's funny because before Trump was president, I liked Trump. Right. Um, because I, I loved uh, the hell's that show he was on. You, you the mentioned Apprentice. The Apprentice. I think it's a great show. Um, but, you know, and it's funny because before I, I even know. show, like all seven seasons, it was on. Yeah, which is fine. So was every reality show in general. Yeah, I say the, the, the business idea, like, as I love business, I yeah. strictly just do. But, um, you know, I, I, every, I even told uh, people business that he started that he put like somebody in charge of from that show if any of them are actually still oh i doubt it um you know and so I, but i told people i was like look never should you know never should an actor be portrayed as you know or be in this government aspect unless you have like you know government background you know arnold i don't think should have done it jesse the body ventura right i don't even know what he you know how hey, good he did it's jesse the mind ventura get it right sure <laughs> uh you know um but like it just to me it, it, no if you're if you're in that industry there's no possibility i'm gonna hard trust to take you. them seriously like, what, for me 100 right like because i know that this is what you do right like you're you could be tough you could be fake you could be any you could be anything you want because that's what media yeah, that's do. what that's what your job is yep. literally pretending to be other people yep so um you know i I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, I, I hate who he is as a person, but some of the things we talk about it, you know, one of the things is the tariffs with China, right? And that's, I think we're finally feeling why things are more expensive is because, right, Trump did it and he went in and raised the tariffs and said, hey, we need to make some more money, which I think is great. But now it did exactly what I said it's going to do. Right. Which is what every economist said it was going to do. Right. Prices are going to go up like because China's they're going to pay for it. Yeah, China's not going to not going to not pay for it. Right. right. Like um, or, you know, the consumer is not going to, you know. And so, hey, all right, this is this is exactly what we knew. Wages just didn't go up with it. Right. Well, and the worst part about Trump, Reagan or any of them, yeah. if you say something loudly enough and you're confident enough when you say it, people will buy your bullshit for the most part. And we have, again, we have too many people that do their own research yep. that wouldn't know research if it kicked them in the balls. So I, so speaking of that, because mm -hmm. you and I watch a crap or we send them back and forth, we <laughs> crap ton of, a crap ton of the, the guy that interviews all these Trump supporters yeah. or whatever. And my favorites are the people that are like, you know, I don't want my kid to go in and learn about this type of a stuff and, and inappropriate things. And then it's the guy wearing the, you know, uh, jobs thing you know it's like no jobs whatever and then blow jobs and yeah like, so you'd be yeah you're okay if a kid reads this and well there's a chance of that huh? and like they, they laugh about it and it's like 
oh, you know, or the, hey, oh, respect women, respect women, blah, 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 you know, and you mean like that shirt? And so then these people are like, yeah, yeah. It's just like, holy crap, like how? Yeah, and they have no presence of mind to realize that you're the butt of the joke, you fucking moron. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, that's, again, I I always go back to when I'm doing something, I want to come from an educated position. If I I don't feel educated, I'm probably not going to say a lot because I don't want somebody to go, that guy's a fucking idiot. So I want to have some kind of knowledge about whatever I'm talking about before I open my mouth and stick my foot in it. Well, so, you know, as Scott said, you know, Trump shoots from the hip, right? Like, hey, because he has the gift of gab, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't have what he has, but I have, you know, I have the same type of an aspect, right? Fake it till you make it kind of a thing. And Trump is fine with it because he has so many people that have his back and it just blows my mind. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I say you and I can agree that Gretz, everybody here, right? Gretzky's the greatest hockey player. Like, you know, it just type of thing. Like we, we, we have a baseball episode. We talk about our greatest and stuff like that, but like, never do I idolize a person, Mm -hmm. right? Um, could be why I'm not religious, but you know, I say, uh, I, I just, the idolizing of people is just so weird to me. Um, I think, you know, you got to take more time and focus on your own fucking life. So, um, Scott, what, uh, so do you, we are, David always has this one or his wife always does it. Like, can you name anything good about Trump? Trump or Reagan? Uh, well, Trump. Yeah. And then I'll go to Reagan yeah, no, no, no. next. Okay. okay. We'll do Trump. Um, I don't want to be glib. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right do you have a good thing about reagan <laughs> say uh, you know I, i'm not really a huge fan of either but you know i sure. i don't think i would have a lot of nice things to say about any any presidents except lincoln maybe uh <laughs> um right. let's see a good thing about reagan uh he could have cut taxes on the rich even more <laughs> I mean, you definitely could have. Say, yeah, that's an easy way to go about that one. No, and you know, but I, you know, I, I think that we're, we're in America. We're so far away that we forget that there is some things, right? Like, um, you know, I, I personally enjoyed Obama, which was, it's surprising that I tell people this, right? Because I think what you know, what he did in, so I'm transitioning real quick because I I watched something and Obama put Obamacare in, and I think it's, you know, great that we're going to start getting towards cheaper insurance. Granted, insurance is just raising more and more money, but, um, you know, there's 28 million Americans still without insurance. Mm -hmm. I can't afford it. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. Still, that's insane to me. So during the pandemic, of course, a lot of people were able to go on a lower whether it was medicaid or state sponsored you know like in michigan it's healthy michigan which is a very low cost um medicaid type coverage sure um and those mandates are ending so if your insurance renews between now and when open enrollment comes for those plans which is the beginning of the year if you make you know what over a certain amount of money you're just off you got to find your own so like my daughter who makes a you know thirty thousand a year she hasn't had 
to pay anything for the last three years. Now she's going to have to go find insurance, you know, and it's going to be a couple hundred bucks. And she's going to have co-pays, which she has not had the last three years. Chris, our employee here that does the Bucks and Brews theme song, yep. has said adamantly he will not get insurance because he doesn't have the money for it. And I know what he makes. Yeah, and I seen that this bothers me. But it does me too, but it is just so exponentially expensive when people are sitting there looking, going, All right, do I have enough money to pay my rent or mortgage? Yep. Do I have enough money to put gas in the car? Do I have enough money for the car? And do I have enough money to buy groceries? Healthcare is like five or six on the list. And they're like, All right, well, I don't have enough money for all that. Yep. And people people need to take care of themselves more. I um did, I did think of something serious that I did like about Trump. Uh, you put me on the spot. I wasn't expecting that question, but I would say that he didn't start any new wars, which I really appreciate um, because I think. Uh, does, um, does that surprise you, though? Well, I mean, that was one of the things when he was campaigning, you know, he was very critical of American foreign policy. And that was one thing that he was actually consistent about. Um, it was I was actually really excited when he first got elected and he was given the CIA a hard time. That made me really excited but you know they patched things up and and he did whatever they wanted after that but um yeah so i I would say that is one big thing that i liked about trump and uh, truthfully i was i think he started a internal civil war um no definitely you know but i i say i am very surprised that a war didn't happen well i know he's very concerned right now about us getting into world war ii did he, please tell me he said this he fucking said it somebody has to, somebody has to send me if this. he if he does not get elected biden is going to get us into world war ii <laughs> somebody send me this clip oh my gosh again he says stupid shit again probably the most uneducated person on this thing right yeah and and you know world war ii happened <laughs> Yes, <laughs> seventy <Sometimes>. years ago <laughs> yeah but no that's crazy and so no it really did it you know because Is Mike there, what's that? I'm sorry. I think Mike's falling asleep. Oh, yeah, I I so. I'm looking at something on my phone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it, but it did surprise me that that there wasn't one right to yeah. to either help give an excuse for the economy or to raise it right. Um, you know, and now I you know I think the Feds are doing a good enough job at tanking things right now, but that's my opinion. So, um, <laughs> I, I will say the Federal Reserve is fucking useless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. let's see um they know nothing on how to control inflation other than raising interest rates that's all they fucking know yeah but and again a lot of the inflation a lot of the inflation you can just trace back to corporate greed oh because yeah. they're making money hand over fist they're just screwing them. us all in the process yeah um all right so now when 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 reagan is throwing in all of these things can you guys give me a a reason of why half of his stuff didn't get voted back what do you mean like why they didn't change it so a lot of that has to do with the structure of the government so Mm -hmm. like he had deregulated what the hell did he deregulate i think it was the savings and loan that he deregulated that democrats tried to change that around the time bush took office and republicans absolutely wouldn't listen to it sure uh, and and again 
politics was way different in the 80s and 90s than what it is today. Like back then, they all seemed to, even though they were on opposing sides, still try to work with each other to do things. And now it's just turned into a fucking football game. Oh, you know. These politicians are getting paid way too much to get nothing done. Well, in, in all honesty, I, again, you and I are big. There, there should be term limits on fucking everything. Pelosi's running again. Why? Yeah. She's not doing it to protect a Democratic seat in the House because they could literally put up a dead body and, and it's going to win the Democratic now, you know, yeah. seat. <laughs> but she just wants to go. She's 80 some odd years old. Uh, Feinstein. Mm-hmm is basically a walking corpse. Yeah. Again, Scott brought up the fact that Garner said, you know, you, you just had to tell Reagan what to say because he didn't know what the fuck to say. That's literally where Diane Feinstein is. She doesn't know what the fuck's going on, so they're just telling her how to vote. Oh, McConnell, same way. Yeah. Right? I mean, um, I, I, that was, that was one of my biggest letdowns of Donald Trump, right? One of the biggest things he, he stood up and said was, hey, this is what we're going to go do and never did it. Right. So you, yeah, but again, he, he wants, if he gets in there, he's basically going to appoint himself leader for life. Oh, 100%. Right. But you, you, we have, we have term limits on so much except for that type. And we know, have them at state levels, yeah. but we don't have them at the federal level. Yeah. So you can be a Senator for 50 years. If not more. And again, but you know, I, I do you get Supreme Court judges at the state level aren't appointed for life. No, but they are in the federal. Yeah, so in federal, and sure, nine is fine, right? I am I am I happy with the nine we have? No, you right. and I both know I absolutely can't stand Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah. I just royal. The last piece. three that were appointed were dog shit. Well, you know, and and it was unlucky and unfortunate on the timing that it happened, but. Um, you know, I, I see it getting, getting much worse. Oh, hundred percent. You know, um, but again, even when we look at the, they'll sit there and say like, oh, the, the Democrats just want to up the Supreme court, but you literally have to up the Supreme court by four people Mm -hmm. and have them all come in as Democrats for the Democrats to take a majority, Mm -hmm. even putting in two and giving them both to the Democrats doesn't give the democrats a majority you're literally talking about a mere 50 percent increase in the size of the supreme court for democrats to take a majority like lead in there so scott what what's your what's your take on i mean i guess you know if reaganomics is is so bad and all that why hasn't it been completely overturned um well i think despite all of the theatrics that the Democratic Party performs, um, they also are very dependent on rich people uh, mm-hmm. for a lot of their campaign financing. And so um, you talk about two big interest groups. I mean, we, we always say that rich people love the Republican Party, but Silicon Valley and the banks are all in with the Democrats, or they have been ever since Obama or so. So um that those are two very rich constituencies that Democrats do not want to alienate. Uh, people have been talking. There's this uh, carried interest loophole that allows hedge hedge fund managers to pay like, uh, you know, they pay like a 15 percent tax rate or something ridiculous, something ridiculously low um, that even even people who make 
$20,000 have to pay a higher tax rate than these hedge fund managers who make a billion dollars a year uh, managing these hedge funds. And really? they've been talking this carried interest loophole, closing it for, well, since before Obama. I remember Obama talked about it. He didn't close it. Uh, Trump didn't close it. Biden hasn't closed it. Um, they all talk about closing it, but they're not going to because they're all dependent on those people. There's an incredibly small group of people, of very rich people, that are responsible for a huge proportion of all the campaign spending that both sides depend on to keep them in power. So, um, you well, know, and, and you know what bothers on the rich a little clinton did as well and then george w bush went and cut him again so you know it fluctuates a little but overall you're not going to get back to those high tax rates that you had pre-reagan um you're not gonna re-regulate after 40 years of deregulation um or reprivatize if you just are depending on either the democrats or the republicans to do it sure you know, I I was looking up. We have a, a, a rich couple here, I guess, right? Um, Landon Co. owns, I don't know, like 14,000 units mm-hmm. um, here in Michigan. And then I was looking it up, and uh, Terry Lynn Land was Secretary, Secretary of, State. of State, and then she became something else. Yeah. Um, and But, you know, her husband uh, got got penalized because he donated too much money to her campaign mm-hmm. right which is but it's funny to me that you you know so it's it's kind of like the uh the is it is it the nfl cap where then you you get or no it's just baseball baseball yeah. right baseball so you go over the the maximum cap for this luxury thing, tax and then it's just a luxury tax yeah. so basically hey you know what i'm gonna pay you five million bucks which is three million over what the heck you're allotted but that five million is then going to cost me five hundred and fifty, and I'm just going to write off the extra fifty million, you know, or, or you know, sorry, um, yeah, right. And so you just you just write it all uh, all the extra. It's not like it actually like takes the person out; they don't get any any real repercussions except for more money. So when you're hitting a rich person, you don't think they've calculated how much that tax is going to cost? Just like in baseball, well, shit, I'm already here, luxury tax. I'm already there. Let's just blow it. The story you told about Cuban, yeah. Saying the F word on TV. Oh. Well, we're gonna find you this. He's like, all right, sorry, it. let's do some more. Thirty-five thousand, right? So, have, have you have you seen that, Scott? No, it's one of my favorite. So, like, I Mark Cuban, I think it's just great. Um, but he's he's doing a, a nerd conference or something like that, and the interviewer walks up and goes, "Hey, uh, just to let you know, Mark, that we're uh, we're gonna have to find you thirty-five thousand dollars for dropping the F bomb on national TV," and. Uh, goes oh okay is that it and she goes why do you want to do it again he goes ah fuck it (laughs) so he just drops like 70k you know he doesn't care it's just money like just uh, when you're when you're worth billions of dollars what is seventy thousand dollars yeah right i talk about this with police all the Mm -hmm. time right a speeding ticket no i'm not trying to brag about it but the hundred dollar fine it didn't teach me a damn lesson right i'll write you the hundred dollars get off my back like all today to a poor person right i mean that hundred bucks yeah they're it's not huge. gonna so that if the common person is going to be affected by it yeah it's good enough again if a, you know i if you ever want to see what arrogance looks like go watch super speeders i'll give them a huge shout out i freaking think it's hilarious they're coming through michigan and the guy you know they have so they're racing across the country or type mm-hmm. thing and so the one guy gets uh 
they start out a challenge. First one to get a ticket wins, right? And they have a pot for this. And so he gets pulled over doing like 88 miles an hour. And he's like, oh, hashi do hashi. That's Japanese for 88. And, uh, but then he he just hands out. He's like, oh yeah, $100 for bail money. See ya. And then he goes, hey, can you write faster? That guy that just passed me, I have to go beat him. And he he's like, what? So he, cop takes forever. And then he just fucking takes off again. Cause they don't care. Right. Like plain and simple, this money does not affect these guys. Right. The little bits of fines, your 500 bucks or whatever. Now, I mean, we're talking big money. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, if I, if fines were written as, Hey, what's your net worth? And we'll find you 10%. I guarantee you wouldn't have speed. And would you, <laughs> you know, well, and you know, not to switch off of that, but yeah, to switch off of that for a second, you know, you you brought up term limits. Term limits. Scott talked about you're never going to get anything because it's Democrats and Republicans. The yep. only way to make this better, the only way to fix this, yep. is to burn everything to the fucking ground mm-hmm. and start over. The moon. Well, I'm saying, and that'll never happen. It'll never happen. Right. But the that's that's the only way. People of this country are fed up. I think on a fundamental level, a lot of people are really sick of how unrepresented. The majority is in this country about how trod upon the working class is, um, how we're all just getting, you know, the shitty end of the stick all the time and billionaires get everything. And, you know, there are a lot more of us than there are of them. And as bad as our system is, there are still democratic elements. It's still possible to actually, you know, get in there and change things if we unify but that's part of the problem is we mm-hmm. you know well so much of this discussion has been democrats republicans yep. democrats republicans it's just a nice nice way built into our system to cut the working class right in half and you know it's your side my side and then mm-hmm. they just do even more from there you know and then it, you get into minorities and and um immigrants and you know there's just more subdividing and cutting and chopping of people who are just like all of us just trying to make a living and just barely scraping by. And meanwhile, there's this very, very tiny subset of people that are just living in fabulous opulence. It's just, you know, it's like ancient Rome or ancient yeah. Egypt. I mean, there it's you there's you don't have to look very hard in history to see a lot of analogs to what's going on now. And it's just you can't sustain that forever. And you talk about burning it down. I am all about rewriting the constitution and make it so that all those built-in advantages that the rich have that were cooked in there from the very beginning by our founders take that stuff out totally agree you know i you you had kind of mentioned hey you know there's democrats republicans and then there's fights in between that i live in the most conservative area Mm -hmm. right we in michigan i believe right like i mean it's just one of them right um and we have some Democrats that fight, but like, here's the problem is all the Republicans are literally going to vote this person, right? Uh, uh, Trump, right? Like, the, and so then it, they that, just care if there's an R next to right. it. Our problem is on the Democratic side, we had chances to take so much. Mm-hmm. The problem is the Democrats couldn't pick. So we had more Democratic votes. Mm-hmm. I will tell you this, right? We had more Democratic votes. So let's just say this person got 10,000. And each of the three that we're running against for repo or uh, sorry, the Republican got 10,000, each of the Democrats, they all got around 4,000 a piece. Right. Mm-hmm. So 12,000 Democratic voters showed up. 
but these people can't get behind one to make that one be the victor, right? The, it, the big problem with the Democratic Party mm-hmm. is their messaging and their execution. Okay, I guess that's two problems. But <laughs> their, their messaging is god-fucking-awful, yeah. and their execution is ten times worse. Mm-hmm. You know, y- you have people that... We're going to take minorities, for example. You've ignored the minorities for so long and taken their votes for granted that now you actually have minorities that are voting for Republicans, which is in a lot of times against their best interests, you know, and they're just so fed up. They're not voting for you anymore because you just don't fucking do anything for them. Right. You, you say you're going to, but then you don't. I mean, how the fuck long have they been supposedly going to get a voting rights act? Yeah, we can't do that. Who is that going to help? That's going to help minorities. You know, it doesn't help a white person. Right. White people have no problem voting. I'm, you know, I'm only half white. I have no problem voting. Nope. Nobody's questioned me for one fucking thing. Nope. But you're not serving these people's needs, so they're going to end up going somewhere else. And and again, does any does any sane person want Biden to run again? Probably not, because he's 90 years old. Mm-hmm. But it's what it is. So you got two options here. You can vote for the 90-year-old who's not a fucking asshole, or you can vote for the 80-year-old who is a fucking asshole. I, you know, you don't have much option here. Yep. I think they were almost the same age. Yeah, I think they're within a couple of years of each other. Yeah. But still, I mean, you know, both options are god fucking awful. And same thing for the last. I mean, even when Trump went against Hillary, was Hillary a great option? No. But and and yeah, I think right now, I mean, the, well, you considered the worst of two evils. The only difference there is we, as people who voted for Biden, don't worship the ground Biden walks yeah. on, like the you know twenty-ish percent of the population who literally believes Trump is the second coming of the messiah yeah whatever messiah you believe in <laughs> say no and it surprises me it surprises me so much how people it doesn't me um you know but again i wasn't around for this reagan i and people people were idolizing this guy like crazy is that what you're telling me well not, not even to that extent like they just thought he was a good change of pace from some of the other politicians before him correct me if i'm wrong think, scott um re-engineering of the narrative since uh 1988 since he left office you know there's been a lot of uh glorification of reagan that if you ask people in 1988 if they felt that way they'd be like no i think it's a lot of rose-colored glasses they look at reagan now as this great president but in the 10 years post reagan they didn't look at him that way Mm -mm. he was not nearly as popular as he's become now like they think again he's the poster boy for conservative values. He wasn't. A lot of times he to me he was very similar to Bush, not his dad, not Herbert Walker, but George W. W. Yep. In the fact that, yeah, Bush was the president, but Cheney was pulling all the strings. Sure. Reagan was the president, but other people were pulling all those strings. So um now you know, I, I I like I like your guys' answer about hey why why it's not going back right 
Um, what are what are some of the things that you guys would like to see changed going forward? We we did talk about you and I agree upon um, term limits, mm-hmm. but Scott, you know, I guess I want to ask like what what is some things that you'd like to see changed going on that America could step in on? Uh, well, we talked unions earlier. I think um, yeah, it's it's really nice that uh, Biden went to the UAW picket and that he change that rule at the NLRB that makes the um makes unionize makes it so that companies have to uh bargain with these new unions and stuff. So those things are great, but we need we need so much more. Uh there's a, a great book I read called Which Side Are You On? And it's all about unions and uh he talks about it's it's written by a, a union lawyer, a, a labor lawyer based out of Chicago here. His name's Thomas Gagan. And he says that people always ask him, well, why can't why can't unions do what they did back in the 1930s? The sit down strikes and all that stuff that they did to really explode union strength. And he says that everything that uh, everything that they did back then is illegal now. So there are laws that could be passed uh, to make it easier um, to form a union for a union to be recognized. Uh to so many, I mean, you go back to, um, is it the LaGuardia Act? Um, there was one, there was one at the end of the forties that just decimated union strength. I mean, you could repeal that. I, I'm blanking on the name at the moment, which I'm, I'm kicking myself, but, um, the, uh, there, there are so many things that could be done, um, to, improve the position of workers if we just let unions do things that are illegal now because of not just 40 years of union busting but for 80 years of anti-union laws being passed to hamstring labor and hamstring workers um but i I, there's so much else i would like to change i mean if if we could abolish the senate because the senate is nothing but uh a cadre of uh, interests that are designed uh, by our constitution to basically say no to anything that's popular that could potentially help the mass public. <laughs> so like there, there are so many big things, big changes that could be made and small changes um, that need to happen to, that would really help people. But our whole government is not really geared towards that. Our government is really geared towards um, what John Jay said. The people who own this country ought to rule it, ought to govern it. Um, A lot of people, that's that's like a core principle of our entire government. And we need to not just recognize that as a fact of life, because there's a lot of reshaping of the narrative, uh, a lot of um, glorification of the the framers of the Constitution and, and our past presidents like Reagan where we build them up as these heroic to these heroic proportions and don't recognize all the things they've done to tilt the scales and in favor of the wealthy class at our expense. And so if there's one thing that we can do moving forward, it's educate one another, it's organize with one another uh, and hopefully start to change things together to, to find common ground as working people and realize that our government does not necessarily have our best interests at heart. 
And if you recognize that, then you don't really have to play this game where we hope that this president or that president will finally break and do something in our favor. Yeah. And I think that's a great point. So, you know, when we look at like the Trump supporters that we watch videos on and you realize that they're not really intelligent and they basically just believe a bunch of bullshit, yeah. you know, that, that makes up, let's say 20% of his base. Okay. And I don't, think that it's quite as big on the other side but maybe i'm naive i could be i could be ignorant to that i don't know i think a majority of the people are more like me and you you tend to lean right i definitely lean left we can have an educated conversation about things and and come to an understanding of where we both are because we're willing to listen to the other person's point of view you don't get a whole lot of that in american politics today and i and i can't speak for other countries because i'm not there but because everything here is based on emotion and angering people you know fox news is a great example they pump it into every army base every navy vessel and all it does is you know create more right-wing talking points that may or may not be relevant you know you, you look at a lot of these things we brought up the fact before of critical race theory how many people out there believe this is actually taught in school it's a college level law class it's not fucking taught in school having empathy for you know an african-american person because their life's been harder than a average white person isn't critical race theory it's just being a decent fucking human being you know you can sit there and say, you know what? There are a lot of people of minorities that had a better life than I did growing up because your life wasn't great growing up. Sure. You lived in a very poor area. You didn't have advantages that, you know, I had for fucking sure. And, you know, that those are things that not everybody can relate to. Right. Whereas you and I know where we're coming from, we can have those conversations and we need more people willing to, to be open-minded. So, you know, uh, one of the other questions, you know, that, that kind of hit me was, you know, we, we talk about voting. Um, I, you know, I don't even know the percentage number, so I don't want to sound like an idiot, but um, you know, it's a low turnout, right? We constantly, more are... people don't vote than do vote. Right. Um, so, what do you what do you do you think that if we actually fixed this right to what do you, what do you, 24 hours to vote uh a weekend uh, you know what what do you what do you think would help fix this and do you think people would actually show the fuck up we'll go to scott first um i, I think those are all great options i think we need to get as many people to vote as possibly can but we also need um candidates that are actually worth pro- voting for. <laughs> yeah, worth at worth anything. And this current system we have, where um, you know you have all these corporate sponsored candidates, candidates who depend, you know, whose lives depend on their ability to raise money from extremely rich people. Um, it's a bad system, and and having all this money in the system is bad. And what I really think is we need a new working class party to really. Um, represent the people because i don't think either party does a good job at that i don't think 
I don't think voting blue will, will get that. It's just um, in my entire life of, of seeing what the Democrats are capable of when they're in power, they don't, they don't fight for the things that the working class needs because they're too scared of losing their big money donors. So, you know, you got to, it's more than just election day. You got to get, there's so much more that needs to change. I think you could even look at like Great Britain as a whole, like when, what was it? Early to mid 1800s when the House of Commons became you know, the more powerful area in Parliament. And it's not like the House of Commons now is the House of the Common People. It's literally like our representatives and senators. It's literally just a whole lot of money still making the decision. It just happened to be at the front end of the Industrial Revolution. They gained enough power to flip, but now they're still where we're at. And I think it's just, and I mean, you, we talk a lot about education and stuff like that. I mean, like, I've always been like, people have the ability to research and learn whatever they want. So I don't like calling them uneducated. Uneducated almost means like you don't even have the option for it. I always call it undereducated because people aren't taking the time to learn sometimes what they need to learn to make an informed decision. Well, I, I think one of the things Pennsylvania is doing is great because they're registering people mm-hmm. and Republicans are against that. And I heard a quote the other day. Somebody had said to somebody, you know, upper in the Republican Party, let's say 20 years ago, um, wouldn't it be great if everybody voted? And his answer was no. The more people that vote, the less chance we have to win. I think you saw that in my post. I think I did see that in Scott's post. I know I saw it somewhere. Scott, you can do better justice than me. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, that was um, uh, that was a a Republican. Uh, I forget his name, Paul, uh, something or other. But yeah, um, the Republican Party knows that the more people who vote, the harder it is for them to stay in power. So um, that's one of the main reasons we see so much uh, of this canard about uh voter fraud where mm-hmm. the, we need to keep we need to stop people uh from voting more than once and, and doing all this voter fraud but voter fraud in-person voter fraud almost never happens it's it's like 33 cases out of a billion i think is what one study said it's an incredibly inefficient way to try to throw in a rec in an election uh imagine if i tried to do that i was gonna do a go on a voting spree and I was going to, um, you know, on election day, just vote as many times as I could. How many times was I going to do that? Like six, 12? Like, that's not enough to throw an election. And no. every time you do that, you're risking a $5,000 fine and like a year in prison or something. So totally uh, inefficient. It's, it's just all this stuff about voter fraud is a way of suppressing the vote. That's no, you look at everything with the election in 2020, everything that's come out of it that's been like miscounts have always been miscounts on the part of the Republicans. Like it's not Biden and his supporters who are getting in jail for trying to, or getting in trouble for trying to, you know, rig the election votes yeah. their way. It's literally Trump and his supporters who are like being like, oh yeah, you know, there's these extra thousand votes, but guess what? These extra thousand votes were just for the 
the Democrats would have just won that seat by a thousand more votes. So of of eligible voters in the 18 and 22, or sorry, um, 66% of eligible voters actually showed up. So, Which... But we don't know how many uneligible ones are still out there, right? right? So, but I mean, that's a pretty decent turnout to me. Well, what I what I read a minute ago was in the 2020 presidential election, 80 million people didn't vote. 80... Just did not. 80 million did not vote. Okay, so yeah, because I have 158 million. Um, well, so, and you're the two midterms. You're not looking at the because yeah. you, you did 22 and oh, 18. I did. Yes, I voted turnout for elections, and but yeah, I, I'm actually quite surprised. Um, but you know, I say we take off. To me, voting is an amazing right. <laughs> you know, that that comes back to comes back to my republican side which is kind of like i love my my vote to write you know or my right to vote geez yeah but that's you not know. really your republican side i say my constitutional right aspect of things yeah. so um you know i i have never missed a vote since the day i was 18 right i i am very much hey this is i know it's funny because we talk about it on air sometimes my wife and i cancel each other out yep but the fact is, is we're both, you know, doing it type thing, you know, and uh, but, you know, to me, I don't understand why we could take Christmas. Everybody's, you know, except for a gas station and shut down. Why why can we shut America down for so many things, except for one of the most popular thing, or one of the most important, important, important things. things that are out there? And we can't we, you know, we can't guarantee that companies have to have to let these people vote. They have to. Like, why is this the not majority of politicians do not want you to vote? Right, I get it because but, they want to stay in power. But the, yep. the, this needs to if, if every if everybody voted, that would probably be enough to bring a third party into power. Why were they so worried about the mail in vote in 2020? Oh man, be, because they knew it was going to happen, they knew it was going to happen, and they knew it was going to happen for a Democrat. Yeah. He told people you had to show up in person. So the Republicans were going to show up in person. And then, you know, we saw the early returns. Trump was up and he was up a good amount. And then overnight, when the mail-in vote started coming in, everybody's like, oh, well, this is why they're cheating. Look at all these votes they found. No, the votes were there. But people like me, I wasn't. You were out of the country. No, I wasn't. Oh, no. No, I was still here. But I, I vote in Plainwell in Cooper Township, yep. even though I don't live there. That's my permanent address. Yeah. So I have to drive 40 minutes to vote. I'm not doing that. I'm just going to do an absentee. And we have that right in Michigan to do an absentee for any fucking reason. Yep. My daughter does an absentee because she wants to understand her choices and she doesn't feel like she can walk into the ballot box and understand what she's looking at on the spot. Yeah. So she does an absentee. When you give people access to that, the amount of people that will vote for a Republican just exponentially goes down. Yeah. I, say, I just think it's something that needs to change, right? I mean, oh, I, it absolutely does. But I, there, again, I mean, what, there's no what, money in it. What do you guys think about this electoral vote? I think the electoral college sucks. I think it's there to keep certain people in power. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Scott, what, what, what do you? College was more meaningful, I, I think, at the point in time when the government started. So one gigantic 
popular, like a, because like I mentioned, New York was probably still one of the most populous states when the country first, you know, ratified the Constitution. Yep. And that kept them from basically controlling the entire country. Scott? This is a misnomer um, that people, people say a lot is that if, uh, if every vote counted the same, then LA and New York would make all the decisions for us. And it's, it's just yeah. not true. Because if every vote counted equally, every vote in Idaho would count just as much as every New Yorker and Californians vote. Instead yeah. of now, Wyoming's votes, Wyoming in a presidential contest, their, their votes are worth three and a half times what a person living in California's is worth. Yeah. So it's not really fair. It's baked right in there into the Constitution with the Electoral College, where these, some of these rural states are worth way more than they should be. I, I mean, it, you know, a, a person, just because you live in Wyoming, your vote shouldn't be three and a half times yeah. more powerful than mine or anybody else's. It's just unfair. Every vote should be the same. And if every vote's the same, then just because you have 40 million people living in California doesn't mean that California gets to choose anything. It means that, you know, that's 40 million out of 350 million. Mm -hmm. uh, and don't forget that there are plenty of Republic. There's more Republicans living in California than any other state so you know you never know what's going to happen well you know the conservatives love to show the map of you know what states are red versus what states are blue because more states are red than blue yep. so they try to pretend that that means there's more republicans in this country than democrats and again i'm not a democrat but i kind of have to vote that way so the the new map i see coming out all the time basically shows it by population and 60-ish percent of the country is blue because that's where the fucking people live. Yeah. 15 people live in Wyoming. <laughs> I think you're giving it a little credit. <laughs> so I don't really give a shit what Wyoming thinks. They're not any more important than 15 people somewhere else. Yep. But they kind of get that advantage because, you know, they get, I don't know, five or ten electoral votes or whatever the hell it ends up being. It's not ten. Well, I see. And, and I could sit and talk electoral change all night long, but my wife just got home and <laughs> I am free for supper. <laughs> all right, my friend. I, uh, I just say, real, real, real quick, um, something we're trying. Uh, what's your greatest advice, whether it's in political, whether it's anything, your greatest advice you can give people in this world? Greatest advice I could give people in this world is look within yourself and find the truest essence of who you are and learn how to trust that per that part of you and believe in that part of you um that you know i have a certain essence that is scott and it doesn't matter what anybody else says they can't you know they don't have an impact on the essence of me i don't know this is all sounding very woo woo but i say no. learn learn your who you are on the inside and trust it and lean into it and don't let others keep you from being yourself I, that's, that's great <laughs> advice i think it's awesome advice um you ask that around i'm just gonna be like that right there i did with a mic drop and we all just need to like walk away <laughs> So, uh, as always, guys, like, subscribe, share, tell your friends, tell your family. Uh, big shout out to uh, 
Gatorade and sparkling ice. Uh, we'll have that as sponsors uh, soon. Someday. Um, thanks so much for joining us. You guys take care. Yeah, we'll be back with you guys next week. Scott, thank you so much. Um, I'm going to get this posted very soon. Had a, I had a blast. You've dialed in to Box and Brews. You might hear something you can use. Like tips on your cash or tips on the suds. You're going to want to use the smarts of these studs. Because they know the brews. And they know the box. And they know they can't help the stubborn fucks. So listen up, because shit's not funny. And save yourself some beer money. Bucks. And brews. Bucks and brews. Bucks. And brews. Bucks and brews.